Good, good. Yesterday, um, I had an awesome day. I went to Carowinds with my family. And I don't know if you have been to Carowinds before, but we decided to gift our children Carowinds season passes when we announced to them from Wisconsin that we were moving here because we thought it would offset any downsides of leaving their friends in the community that they knew and loved. It was ill-timed. We should have waited a day because they totally saw through it. But they got around to the idea of looking forward to Carowinds Seasons Passes. Yesterday was the third time that we have been since May. And we kind of gear up for this. Like it takes us a couple days emotionally to prepare as parents (laughs) for the minivan trip over down to South Charlotte, Fort Mill, and on the way back. And we pack snacks and we make sure to eat a good lunch before we leave. We can't handle quite the full day thing, so we try to do an after lunch kind of thing. And we're prepared and we're enjoying the day and Levi takes a buddy along and we're just having the best time. My parents decide to come, so we've got extra help. We kind of have three kids in, or I should say four kids split between three height categories. Does anybody know what that's like trying to do rides with different sized children? It's a challenge. So you need at least three sets of parents or grandparents to walk around different kids to rides that they can enjoy. And we arrive at the park and we're on the North Carolina, South Carolina line and there's optimism in the air and everyone's fired up and excited until, until we arrive at the Squishmallow display. How many of you parents know what a Squishmallow is? Okay, for those of you who are unaware and you don't have little children, Squishmallows are variety variety sized glorified stuffed animals. And they make a different size for every budget. (laughs) And so you can buy a $100 Squishmallow or for the kids that only have $10, you'd better believe they have a $10 sized Squishmallow and everything in between. And let me tell you that yesterday my day was absolutely derailed when my children locked eyes on the Squishmallow display. They immediately went over, mom, 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 dad, 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 let's go browse. And they're talking about the ninja squishmallow and the watermelon squishmallow and the cheeseburger squishmallow and the burrito squishmallow and which ones they don't have and which ones they'd like to have. And it became near immediately nauseating. (laughs) And I found every expression of the fruit of the spirit to leave when I exhaled. And they insisted that we continue to look for other squishmallows that they may be interested in. We didn't buy initially. How many of you know they put that thing in the beginning so that parents buy those suckers and have to carry them around from ride to ride all day long? Why wouldn't you courteously put it at the end, at the exit point of the park? 
So we go along and the kids continue and continue and continue to talk about squishmallows. An hour into our Carowinds trip, they're continuing to fight over squishmallows, asking if they can spend, spend their piggy bank money on squishmallows. And I'm thinking and saying, you know, children, all this metal in the sky right here, like this is the stuff we've already paid for, understand? <laughs> This is where we need your attention to be drawn to, right? Not all these ring tosses on the bottles and basketball shooting experiences and everything else under the sun that costs extra dough. And I, I continue to find myself flustered. And at some point, I just had to get alone by myself for just a moment and kind of inhale deeply and exhale deeply and say, I, I have to get a hold of my temperament right now because I'm preaching on the fruit of the Spirit tomorrow. <laughs> and I've got to deal with this. This is not going to go well for me. This is not good prelude to Sunday morning. And so I had a little time with the Lord, and I told him I was going to choose to be joyful we ended up having a great day, but how many of you know that there are things that can press you in life? There are things that can push your buttons. There are things that can squeeze you. There are things that can be a proverbial wine press, and the juice that comes out is sometimes sour, but we hope that it's sweet. We hope that in the pressures of this life and trials and circumstances that we, when crushed, give out the fruit of the Holy Spirit and not the fruit of the flesh. Amen? Amen. So if you're in Galatians chapter 5, we've taken three weeks to dig through this chapter. The Apostle Paul is on a rather linear track of thought. He deals in the beginning of the chapter with the Galatians' subscription to this bad kind of religion. He crushes their idea that they could somehow earn unmerited grace. He tells them this isn't about them. You can't put enough mustard or effort on your spiritual walk to bump you across the threshold of heaven. You can't grin and bear it enough. You can't string together a list of enough to-dos or things that you won't do. Paul says, don't even take a step down that line of thought. If, if you take one, you'll take many. Just a little leaven leavens the whole lump or loaf. So don't go that direction. Human pride will return if you inch toward legalism. Paul said it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't submit to the slavery of the law. Don't succumb to this line of thick objectivity if you think you're justified by what you do or by what you don't do, you have actually severed yourself from creator God because that's grace by merit, not grace through faith. And following Christ isn't based upon a merit system, but a deep soul belief that salvation comes from Christ, not from us. Amen? Amen? And this demonstrates itself, Paul says, through love. Now that was week one. This is week two. 
About mid-chapter, Paul says, instead of attempting to produce your own fruit, instead of trying to perfect some kind of righteousness that you can take credit for, just focus on, on one simple law, on one simple idea. Everything else hangs from this. And he says in verse 14 of chapter 5, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the reason, Paul says, that you're to serve one another. And this, Paul says, is actually how you fulfill the whole law. Paul is implying that Christians, we still have an obligation to the moral law of God. We always will. The moral standards, obedience is still a crucial component of the Christian life, but it's just not a means of justification. It's not a way that we get on God's A-list. And the best way to follow them all, Paul says, the best way to follow all of God's moral obligations is to follow one, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to walk around wounding them. If you love your neighbor as a way of life, you'll be so fulfilled that in serving others, you're not going to have time or desire works of the flesh. Paul says there's all these things. He says don't use your freedom from the law to pursue all those things. Use your freedom to love one another. Because the desires of the flesh are opposed to the desires of the spirit. And then he lists by name in verse 21 various works of the flesh. It's a laundry list, if I may say, that oppose the life of the Spirit. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've made it 21 verses into Galatians chapter 5, and while we've carried the analogy of fruit-bearing throughout the chapter, remember we did field work in week 1, we did weed-pulling in week 2, there has not yet been one actual mention in the text of fruit. And this morning, in week three, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about fruit production. Would you stand with me this morning in honor of God's word? We're going to read together, beginning with verse 22 and ending in verse 26. If you're there, say yes. All right. Let's begin. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You may be seated. The first fill-in in your outline this morning is this. Spiritual fruit is recognizable. Spiritual fruit is recognizable. Sometimes we wish this weren't the case because the lack of spiritual fruit is also recognizable. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, 
or endurance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are all traits, if we're honest, that we observe in people and can reasonably quantify in people. We may say things like, so-and-so is the most patient person I have ever met. So-and-so is such a gentle soul. You know, her life has had its challenges, don't get me wrong, but she's always just so full of joy. We can't go into the kitchen and measure this kind of stuff. We can't pour patience into any kind of cup. But by observation, we can certainly pick up on who has it and who doesn't because spiritual fruit is recognizable. Wouldn't you also agree that the absence of spiritual fruit is recognizable? It most certainly is. Can we also make observations to the contrary? So-and-so is one of the least kind people I have ever met. So-and-so is has no self-control whatsoever. So-and-so just never seems to be at peace. Spiritual fruit is recognizable and its absence is recognizable. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20 says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Do people pick figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree, it's a rhetorical question, right? But the answer is no, of course not. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, here it comes again, you will recognize them. Spiritual fruit is recognizable. These words from Matthew 7 teach us that generally what you see is what you get. If you see good fruit, it's likely a good tree. If you see bad fruit, it's likely a bad tree. Jesus says there are wolves, no doubt. There are wolves in sheep clothing, no doubt. There are deceivers, no doubt. There are double lives that are lived, no doubt. Those are the exceptions to the rule. Most people, you can tell who they are by the fruit that they bear. One of the most effective methods of discernment then is to look at the quality of fruit that someone is bearing. Because generally speaking, a good tree doesn't produce bad. A bad tree doesn't produce good. And notice also what verse 23 suggests. Spiritual fruit is limitless. What do we read? Against such things there is no law. Spiritual fruit doesn't have a cap on it. The fruit of the Spirit is boundless. There is no restraint. There is, there is uh, no restraint on endurance. There is no restraint on forbearance. The, the fruit of the Spirit is plentiful. There's not a horn of plenty large enough to contain the fruit of the Spirit that can come out of a single soul. 
if we're abiding in Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's no cap on kindness. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you need to take the cover off your kindness. Number two, spiritual fruit is juxtaposed. Spiritual fruit is juxtaposed. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean is that spiritual fruit is indirectly correlated with the works of the flesh. When one goes up, the other goes down. When one grows, the other dies. Paul said in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, you cannot just sprinkle a little bit of goodliness onto your worldliness. Hello, and be okay. You can't just disguise your worldliness with goodliness. It, the fruit of the Spirit is not cheap cologne. The fruit of the Spirit is not Axe body spray, right? If you're a hunter in the room, the fruit of the Spirit is not some kind of cover scent meant to disguise what you really smell like. No, that's not what the text says. You can't just spray pleasantries onto a spiritual stench. Some of you in the room, again, I hope have discovered this by a way of life. There remains an otherness about the people of God. It is beautiful to watch real, natural, spiritual fruit grow. How many of you have met somebody and you would just say, I have met somebody who has been with Jesus. I know it. You cannot convince me otherwise. That person loves the Lord. That person has been in the quiet place. That person has seen trials and circumstances and has expressed the goodness of God along the way. Spiritual fruit is juxtaposed from the fruit of the flesh. When the Spirit of God really works in a believer's life, it is genuine, it is sincere, it is authentic, it is savory. It is aromatic. You can't deny its presence. It's delectable. You want to be around it. John 15, 1 and 2, Jesus said, I am the true vine. We continue to come back to this passage. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me. How many of you would say that you have a few branches left to be pruned? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, or that does bear fruit, excuse me, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Paul said in verse 24, we read it, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You don't have 
more spirit and more sin simultaneously. When you have more of Jesus, you have less sin. When you have more sin, you have less of Jesus. I heard this phrase when I was young from a counselor who loved the Lord. He said, Zach, what you starve dies and what you feed grows. If you starve yourself of sin in your life, it'll die. It'll go away. It will recede. It will be obliterated, excuse me, in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you water righteousness in your life, that'll grow. That'll flower. That will abound. In, in fact, write that down in the margin of your notes. I, I, I would imagine it would bless you many times over. What I starve dies, what I feed grows. Number three, spiritual fruit is dependent. It's dependent on the spirit. You can't manufacture spiritual fruit through sweat equity. You cannot manufacture spiritual, spiritual fruit through grit and elbow grease. You cannot simply grin and bear it. Notice the Apostle Paul says, we're not to walk alone. Verse 25, we're to keep in step with the Spirit. This is similar language used earlier in chapter 5 when Paul says, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Church family, the ability to produce fruit is not found within us, it's found within God. The ability to produce fruit isn't found within us, it's found within God. Producing spiritual, spiritual fruit requires being rooted in the vine. If we're not attached to the vine, we can't produce good fruit. Do you remember how Jesus lived his life? When did he go, go to pray? Early in the morning. While it was still what? Dark. Jesus went away into solitude and quiet to meet with God. Jesus lived his life by the power of the Spirit. He knew, he knew even that when he added on to his divinity, humanity, that he needed the Spirit's work and power in his life to sustain himself. He promised us the helper would come to live inside God's people to work through us, which is fruitfulness. We can even take it back this far. What did God commission our first parents, Adam and Eve, to do in the garden? To care for it, right? Um, he gave them an assignment to be gardeners. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and to keep it. Notice that their calling that was given by God wasn't that of a fruit inspector. Have you ever met a spiritual fruit inspector? Have you ever met somebody who listens to what is communicated on a Sunday morning and by the way they talk after church, you get the idea that they're what has been called a pitchfork Christian? where they hear something, oh yeah, I know who can use that. Fling! 
Oh, he's talking about dishonesty today. Oh, my Uncle Henry. Fling. Oh, he's talking about lust today. Oh, boy. Fling. Oh, my roommate in college. Fling. My spouse. Fling. And we never think about ourselves. The challenge of a Sunday morning is to think about us. To let God engage us, not for God to engage others through our internal criticisms of them. Spiritual fruit is dependent on the Holy Spirit. We're not fruit inspectors, we're gardeners. There are a number, again, of pitchfork Christians in the church. So if you can't listen to a sermon for you, I'm afraid you may be missing your calling. You're inspecting way too much fruit. God's called you to cultivate it, to produce it. So we don't grow in love by being more loving. We grow in love by being with Jesus. We don't grow in joy by being more joyful. We grow in joy by being with Jesus. We don't grow in peace by simply choosing to be more at peace. That's more along the lines of what you would find on a self-help aisle. We grow more in peace by abiding in the vine, by being with Jesus. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm going to ask you to stand for some extended minutes, not too long, but a little longer than normal. So if you can do that, will you rise to your feet this morning? I'm going to conclude back in John 15. Here's what we read there. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit, fruit that will last. What is interesting about this conversation, we talked about the upper room during communion. Thank you, Chad and Karen. This statement was made in a conversation that has since been called by theologians the upper room discourse. The upper room discourse. We don't always think about this if you abide in me and I abide in you will bear much fruit. This topic of spiritual fruit we don't typically think of as relevant to the final days of Jesus' life. But the reality is, this statement came from the lips of Jesus toward the very tail end of his life and ministry. What is he going to do right after this? He's going to go to the cross. What happens on the cross? Jesus is going to get literally crushed. There may be some here this morning who have had even a hard time bearing fruit because you feel like you have been crushed as of late. You feel as though right now you're in some kind of wine press. You feel as though you're getting stomped. You're being treaded upon. I want to challenge you to remember today that you're not the first one who's been crushed. Jesus has been there. Jesus was homeless. Jesus was hungry. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He was lonely. He was forgotten. He was betrayed. If you're feeling belittled, if you're feeling like you are being persecuted, if you are feeling as though 
you are being oppressed, I want you to know that Jesus has been there. He's experienced those emotions. And I want to tell you, when Jesus was crushed on the cross, the fruit of the Spirit was released through him, through his lips, from his sayings on the cross. I want to show you this. The crushing revealed Jesus' character. Just like the squishmallow experience revealed a little bit of my character, and I had to repent and ask God for help, the squishing on the cross revealed the character of Christ. It was the crushing in that time where Jesus said things like, seeing the Father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Does that sound like something you would say when you're crushed? Jesus said, hanging on the cross, seeing someone hanging beside him, today you shall be with me in paradise. He said that while being crushed. Seeing his own mother, Jesus said, Woman, behold thy son. Looking at John, seeing the disciple John, he said, Son, behold thy mother. This is agreed upon by nearly everyone. The clearest path to understanding that passage is that Jesus is commanding John to look after his mother. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. John, please take care of my mama. That's what came out of the mouth of Jesus while he was being crushed. Don't you hope you're other-centered when you're being crushed? My grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis for, since 16 years of age, died in her 80s, took all kinds of medic medications you couldn't have dreamt of, in pain, bedridden for the latter part of her life, and she's still reading the Bible, praying for us kids, praying for her church, fundraising on the phone for the church, loving. It's as if her crushing produced good fruit. And we are now here having believed in Jesus laying dead for a little while after that crushing and being raised back to life. He's the only one to have ever done it unassisted without help. And we are a church as a wine, the church is a wineskin. The church holds us, those who bear fruit. We are among the first fruits of his creation. So the question I have for you in closing is, what comes out of you when life crushes you? What comes out of you? Whatever is in the cup of your life, that is what spills out when you get bumped. If I'm carrying coffee around the church, which I often do, and I get bumped, what's going to come out of my cup? Coffee, whatever is in your heart when life gets tough, that's what's going to spill out of your life. Is it joy? Is it kindness? Is it peace? Is it gentleness? Is it patience? Or is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it harshness? Is it venom? Life provides the cup. We choose with the Spirit's help what we fill it with. Amen. 
If you're being crushed this morning, we love you. We stand with you. We care for you. We'll do whatever we can to help you. That crushing is also, glory to God, an opportunity to reveal the fruit of the Spirit in your life and bring forth something new, something powerful, something amazing. Fruitful people get crushed so that they produce something beautiful. If you feel like you're in a crush, a wine press, like you're being squeezed this morning, would you just lift your hand? Anybody here just in the throes of life right now? You need help. You need answers. You need the Spirit's power. Your temperaments ran amok. Your emotions are all over the place. Your mental health may even be challenged. I just want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, we just lift up those who are here. Lord, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that as they are pressed, the sweetest fruit would emanate from their life. Lord, I pray that others would see them and draw a distinction between the way that we respond, the church, and the way that others who aren't full of your spirit respond. Lord, may there be an otherness about the people of God. Lord, I pray that you would grow, that you would cultivate in all of us a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit, that we would entrust you to root out the bad and bring in the good. Lord, as we conclude this series, I just pray, Father, that you will draw us to yourself. Lord, I pray that we will abide in the vine. I pray, Lord, that we will spend time with you, that we will wake up early in the morning and commit to a quiet time and a life of prayer. That prayer wouldn't be a thing that we do, that prayer would be who we are, that prayer would describe a regular ongoing communion with you. Lord, that what happened in that upper room would happen in our automobiles, in our workplaces, in our cubicles, in our homes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to take communion before you go today. We also want to remind you there are folks here to pray for you. God bless you. We'll see you again soon.